Hi, hello, and welcome everyone to another edition of the Sugar Frosted Podcast. I am Brian Reeves. With me, but not with me, are uh, Scott Biting and John Perdue, and we have a special guest on this episode, Dave Baxter, Senior Lecturer on Media Studies at Wright State University. Uh, we're all going to be talking about teen movies from the 50s and 60s. Uh, this is part one. We're going to have a part two talking about the 70s and 80s teen movies. Um, but going into this, well, I want to let everybody know that we had a, a, a glitch uh, and we lost one of our files. And the first part of this podcast is missing. So um, we are going to be joining our regularly scheduled program already in progress. Thank you. Your your mic is actually off there, John. There we go. Now, <laughs> not sure how that happened. Good to be doing some editing this time. Okay. <laughs> I I cannot edit a uh, a, a turned off mic. Let's let's just start from the beginning. Yes. I sabotage you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. If I can't be heard, nobody can. <laughs> that explains everything. Okay, so that uh, that leads us back to uh, the, what John was talking about before. We were talking about. Uh, uh, Rebel Without a Cause is Blackboard Jungle, right? Um, which really led us into more of the the juvenile delinquency teen mm-hmm. movies that I mean were everywhere in the fifties. That that was like the the big wave, right? And this and this one and a couple of other ones, they kind of had this recurring. Uh, you know, it started off like as a PSA. You know, this is how you stop juvenile delinquency. It seemed right. like it was more for, like, the pearl-clutching, middle-class, conservative America. You know, it was like, they weren't portrayed in the best light. You know, later they would be, more more so, especially right. as you get into the next decade. But in the 50s, it was more like, okay, these these are bad elements, and here's how we need to deal with them to save our country, essentially. You know, I agree, yeah. and I, absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that um, the older adults are uh, just having such distrust and distaste for rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fed into all of this worship. Right, right, and you know, in in this movie in particular, it's like the adults didn't act much better. No, you know, morally speaking. It was, you know, nobody, there were, were no heroes in this, you know. Glenn Ford was the closest you got. Glenn probably. Ford was pretty good guy. Yeah, you know. But yeah, it was, uh, there were several, there were several like that, and they kind of followed that formula. They would even start off as, with the, uh, with the words over the screen and the PSA type thing, and there were a couple like that. It was like, you know, it was eye-opening for me doing this research where, you know, I had no idea. It was like, take a side, basically. You know. Yeah. Well, and then uh, you know, one thing I thought was cool is there is a kid in glasses at the beginning, and he looks fucking crazy. <laughs> he's in class. He's at the uh, at the at the front of the class, uh, and he is Jamil Farah. Yeah. Who would later become Jamie Farr? Really? <laughs> yeah. 
Very good, Brian. Yep. <laughs> no, that's great. I didn't realize that. Oh yeah, yeah. and you, it, 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 if you know it, when you go back and look at scenes, and he's always at the front of the class with glasses on, and you were like, "Oh shit!" Like, oh, Jamie there Wall. he is. That's fucking Klinger. There's Corporal Klinger. <laughs> now, Brian, my my memory is is uh, is uh, failing me here, but who was the other cast member who later became a, a famous director? Maybe one of you guys can help me out on that. Uh, well, Sidney Poitier was in it. Vic yeah, Mor- he was. Vic Morrow yeah. was in it. Um, Obviously, we talked about Glenn Ford. Uh, one of the kids. One, one of the guy. One of the class. One of the guys in the class. Really? Uh, yeah. I am. Let me. Scotty, can you look that up for us? You pull up a cast list real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. I know it. And I can't remember it. I probably should. I probably should have done more research myself. I've had some other stuff. I'm, I'm trying my internet slow down here. <laughs> yes, yeah, these movies, though, I mean, and they're a little cringy now. Oh God, you know, absolutely. Still entertaining, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, was this really that, the, the social when norm? That movie opened, when that movie opened, with that opening, with the opening theme of Rock Around the Clock, yeah, kids, kids tore up theaters. Yes. When, Movie open. They tore the hell out of theaters. Yeah, wow. That scared the, that scared the establishment even more mm-hmm. when that happened. Yeah, uh, it, it instead of figuring out how to get a handle on it, they went nuts. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, if they had no idea um, of how to deal with it. Well, they did. It was so so new. Yeah. Plus so new. The, the, uh, the 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 newness of the teenage population being so big. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was yep. a whole new thing. Oh, right, because it was that, post-war. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What you- I, I'm trying. My internet is terrible. <laughs> I want smoke signals. <laughs> tower to tower. Like Are you not hooked rings. up to my Wi-Fi? I am not. Oh. I'm on two bars LTE. And with this one, it's 5G or nothing. Well, we, we so, can come back to that. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So, um... Well, obviously, you know, the uh, delinquency movies were off and running. Um, Now, delinquency was also in all the newspapers at the time. I mean, everything, you know, it Mm -hmm. was teenage riots and teenage delinquency. Right. um, Then you had movies like High School Confidential. Oh, yes. Which was more bad kids in school with fist fights and knife fights. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Lee Lewis at the beginning singing. Jerry Lee Lewis, and it had. Uh, and, and I tell you what, that is my favorite Jerry Lee Lewis song. Really? Oh, really? I, That's a good one. Oh, I do. I do, bro. Oh man, yeah. it is way different than all of his other stuff. It just yeah. rocks. I tell you, Sean and I did a great cover of that. They uh, did. On one of their albums from the streets of New York. Remember what, that what, one? And what was his name? Screaming. Screaming Scott Simon. Screaming Scott Simon. <laughs> He's the one who did Jerry Lee Lewis stuff. And yeah. He did yeah. a really good Jerry Lee Lewis. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah High School Confidential was a lot more sexually charged than some of the other ones, too. It was. Yeah, yeah and it was, it was, uh, it looked in a, you know, almost like the teens are a little bit more sympathetic in, in that one. Yes. You know? But I like how it had Jackie Coogan in it. <laughs> I was going to bring that up too, because <laughs> a few years later, he Uncle Fester, he would be Uncle Fester, <laughs> right? <laughs> and before that, he was uh, the kid in the Charlie Chaplin movies. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yes. As a matter of fact, they made, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they make the Jackie Coogan Law to protect yes. child actors' uh, salaries? No shit. Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah, they did. Wow. And you know, real, quick, talking about, uh, real quick, guys, you were talking about news, the, the newspapers talking about juvenile delinquency. Just a bit of trivia here. That's how uh, That's how uh, the writer, the guys who put together the original West Side Story, that's how they got the idea because they, you know, they had a, the original. Their their idea was to do a thing about Catholics versus Jews on the East Side, and they scrapped that. Mm-hmm. A couple of them were on, out in, in Los Angeles in the in the mid fifties, and they were reading newspaper articles about the gangs out there in L.A. and and the, the Mexican gangs and the, the rumbles and the warfare and whatnot. That's where they got the idea of doing the dueling. The Puerto Ricans against the self-styled Americans, mm-hmm. and changed it to the West Side. That's how they got that idea. So yeah, just that's cool. out of newspaper articles. So Mimi Van Dorn was in. Mimi right? Van Dorn was yes. in. Yeah, that's as like what they they back then they called a guest star, but it was really a cameo. Right. Because to me, a guest star means you're a guest on a recurring series rather than just a movie, you know. But yeah, sort of as a as a cameo. And it was one of those uh, privileged versus underprivileged kids type movies too yes you know, it was was a little bit different than rebel without a cause you know paul anchor was the singer at the nightclub oh was he i didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, was it in this one i think it might have been in another one like untamed youth but it was another one of these hot rod movies i think it might have been untamed youth with me van dorn uh mel torme <laughs> the velvet fog he played <laughs> A hot rod hoodlum. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard. To and I saw a trailer, and he just looked like Mel Torme. So it's really hard to buy yeah. him as a hot rod hoodlum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Charlie Chaplin's in this. Charlie Chaplin's in what? In the uh, High School Confidential. That's right. He is. He plays is he really? Yeah. No, I forgot and, about that. He and is. And so is Charlie Chaplin Jr. Yeah. Really? Yep. Both playing the same. Well, I knew Charlie Chaplin Jr. was in it. I didn't. I had forgotten that part. I didn't know Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, Charlie, oh, I didn't know it, either he's, one. He's yeah. billed as Quinn. Both of them are billed as Quinn. No shit. Yeah. Huh. Which is, I'm not exactly sure why. Without actually seeing it, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, at that at that point, he was like fighting deportation, wasn't he, Dave? Charlie Chaplin. Oh, that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. He I, I don't pretty much blacklisted and. Yeah. Yeah, he he got caught up in the in the in the commie thing, and uh, yeah, he got basically uh, he uh, I don't know if he if he was I don't think he was, I don't think he was deported, but he he left. Sort of a right, but uh, he was facing du- deportation. He was worried about deportation, I believe. So I wonder if they brought in Junior to fill his place. I I do not know. Yeah, that's, that's you know that's an interesting thought. Oh, and then uh, talking about uh, the teenage delinquency, you had um, the delinquent, which starred a pre-Billy Jack Tom Laughlin. Oh yeah, and then you had the crybaby killer. Which oh. warned folks that delinquency would lead to your child being a killer. <laughs> and that starred Jack Nicholson as yes. a crybaby killer. Uh, Roger Corman 
was a producer of that. Yes, yeah, Roger Corman was notable uh, about that. I I I, I guess that um, I don't know if uh, Nicholson was under contract with him or if he just they did just work together mm-hmm. for quite a while because. Yeah, I can't Nicholson say that's did a, a lot of Corman movies in the in the earlier days. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that this, this was like the only movie that Roger Corman said that he didn't make money on. <laughs> <laughs> if you think about how many think about and, how many movies Roger Corman and <laughs> Corman made a some lot bad of movies. Shit. Yes. And he was <laughs> proud of it. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. oh, he made money. That's right. It was all about yeah, it was making it was all about making money. But a lot of obviously a lot of his movies have become cult classics. Of the yeah. his, his so. Edgar Allan Poe movies made a lot of money. Those, yeah, those were, yeah, those made some money. Oh, yeah, all those uh, the drive-in mm-hmm. things yeah. that he did. Yeah. Um, uh, next, I have uh, High School Hellcats. Oh, the, the girls get their turn. Yeah, and it was right. basically Blackboard Jungle <laughs> with chicks. with girls. <laughs> yeah, high yeah High School Hellcats. Um, it was minus Sidney Poitier, minus Vic Morrow, or any time. It was pretty terrible. Oh, yeah. You know, like, well, to be fair, Cry Baby Killer was pretty terrible. Oh, God, yeah. It, and it was and shot. Nic- Nicholson was terrible at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nicholson has said that, I think I read somewhere where he said, God, I, that was bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, and I, I can't say it's a good movie either. You know, but it had a, had a kind of an interesting noir feel to it you know and yeah. just the you know the way it was shot and the way the dialogue was and everything hey um, Ryan there was a movie now that I think about it there, and I don't have, I think this was the 50s it might have been early 60s remember this one it was called Kitten with a Whip Kitten <laughs> with a Whip that sounds <laughs> a I, who was in that uh, you would ask me that uh the lead it was a female it was a it was a kind of a it was kind of a, a, a female oriented movie teen uh, uh scott's scott's uh and margaret and margaret is that it yeah are you shitting me and margaret yeah. so okay, i would think yeah. that has to be 60s right uh 64 because yeah because and margaret i don't think she was in anything in the 50s right okay yeah. 1964 came out Okay, sorry, I'm getting ahead of you. Didn't mean to do that. That's all right. But Scott is fucking Johnny on the spot with this shit. <laughs> I, I can't move or I don't get service. He's <laughs> frantically typing, thumbing his phone over there. Yeah. So going back just for a second with the delinquents. Um, Please. That was uh, directed by Robert Altman. Was, was it his, really? Yes. <laughs> his first, Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I didn't realize he had anything going back that far. I yeah. didn't either. But yeah, Robert. But yeah, the cry the crybaby killer was a little bit unique in that there were it, it dealt with murder. It did. And there was a hostage scene. There a was, host, you know, a hostage situation which is not what you typically think of with but a What I movie. thought was funny was how they were like parents Beware, because this is what's going to happen. Because here comes Jack. <laughs> or Jimmy. Was this Jimmy in the movie? Yeah. If, if you don't yeah, uh, stop right. this shit right now, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite delinquent movies, and Dave, I don't think this is going to come any surprise to you, The Delicate yes. Delinquent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good movie. It is. It's a good movie. Uh, 
Uh, it was supposed to be. Don't worry about page crinkling. Sorry, I don't want to make a lot of ambient noise. Sorry, I'm over here walking on eggshells. Yes, do it. All right. So obviously that was supposed to be the next Martin Lewis movie, and yeah. uh, Dino was like, "I'm not wearing a fucking uniform." You right. Know, he didn't want to be a cop. Redo it because he had been busted by cops because he had, back in. Uh, uh, Ohio, he had been a dealer, so he had be- had so many. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say dealer, I don't mean drug dealer. <laughs> right, I knew <laughs> he what was you a card dealer. Right, I knew a croupier. Yeah, a croupier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so know. he was always busted by cops. He did not like cops, so yeah. he did not want to play a cop. Right, and Lewis dug his heels in and said, "No, you mm-hmm. have to wear the uniform." And Martin said. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go make a billion dollars. I mean, so he gets, so he gets Darren McGavin. One of my and favorites. McGavin yeah. plays it great. Yeah, he's perfect in that role. He does. Yeah, great. And, you know, Lewis's character is. It's weird seeing him in like a serious, really a pathetic role. Like That's, a good, because, term, That's you know, a good term. That's a good term. Because he's just, you know, it's like you, you just feel bad for the guy. He's a loser and yep. Darren McGavin's trying to make something out of him and he's running into all these obstacles and it's just the, the movie, I mean, it has a great, you know, obviously it has a great resolution at the end. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, Delicate is really the word for Jerry, the funniest delinquent who ever made the rogues gallery. I was just taking out the garbage I don't want to go to no liquor chat with the thing on Yes, he's really a panic. A crazy, mixed-up kid who's really flipped his lid. But underneath it all, he's just a soft-hearted guy trying to get along in a hard-boiled neighborhood. Sydney, I want to give you a present. Oh, really? What is it? This. Isn't that nice, Sydney? It's very nice. But things aren't all bad. This cute little chick thinks he's wonderful. Am I unattractive? Oh, no, no. Then why in the world do you constantly ignore me? Why in the world? Because I'm nothing. You don't deserve to be with that or nothing. You wait till it's something, me. When I'm something, then I'll talk to you. And how Jerry gets to be a something makes this story as heartwarming as it is hilarious. I want to be looked up to and respect. You will be. I want to be a cop. If you recall, the way the movie... It's really cool because the way the movie starts, if you'll recall... It starts with two gangs closing in on each other in, in an alley, and they're mm-hmm. about to rumble, they're about to rumble, and you're thinking, "Oh shit, we're, we're, the fur's about to fly here!" Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Jerry, in his usual uh, goofus self, comes bubbling out the back door of the store and breaks the whole thing, holds the whole thing up. Right. It's, it's really kind of cool the way they did that. Yeah, and he thinks he killed somebody when he actually didn't. Right? Isn't that right? The plot? Right. Yeah. yeah. He had to have weighed a buck twenty. <laughs> I know, soaking wet. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and uh you know one thing you'll notice is dean martin was he turned this roll down never was heard from again <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever happened to that <laughs> dean who <laughs> but you can totally see this movie like on like today if it was made today it would be a hallmark movie right it probably would yeah i but, mean but but uh, i think um but one thing you have to look at is how big the delinquent movies had become because there is no arguing that Martin and Lewis in 
I get that this was a Martin Lewis movie, but it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Martin Lewis were the biggest fucking movie stars there were at this time. Yeah, they were so the biggest comedy that. team. There was not. There was no comedy team bigger right. than Martin Lewis. So it'd be on Netflix moment. then. Yeah. What's that? It would be on Netflix instead of Hallmark. <laughs> right. <laughs> or, or Disney Plus. Yeah. Probably. Actually, Disney Plus probably makes more sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, that tells you how far the delinquent movies, they, mm-hmm. they weren't just a B movie, C movie right. genre. It was, it it was, was huge. I, I didn't really realize that it was a genre. Yeah, uh, it was basically every teen movie made in the fifties, right? Well, you know, bro, I, uh, if you're a teen, you're a delinquent. Uh, teen movie. Right. Well, if you were up, a teen, well, you were a little asshole, right? Growing up, what did you hear? I mean, that was the phrase you heard. You don't want to become a juvenile delinquent, True. or you're acting like a juvenile delinquent. Do we use that phrase today? Probably not. No. Right? Yeah. Waiting for you to introduce the next uh, movie, Brian. Yeah. So. Um, this takes us down to uh, a, a, where I just want to mention uh, a, a subgenre of the teen movies were the hot rod <laughs> drag strip, <laughs> strip genre. Oh, which, man. Uh, there were a ton of You want to talk about cookie cutter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, you had uh, titles like drag, drag strip, strip girl. Hot Rod Girl, Hot Rod Gang, <laughs> Hot Rod Rumbles. <laughs> Ghost of Dry Strip Hollow. Oh, oh yes. yes. And, uh, you know, the only thing more dangerous in the hoodlum was a hoodlum with a hot rod. Just look That's at Mel right. Torme. Right. Ghost, with, Ghost of Dry Strip Hollow had a really cringy trailer. I really. Really bizarre. I, I have to tell you, I couldn't make it through the whole trailer. <laughs> a trailer is like two I was minutes like, and twenty seconds. I couldn't do it. <laughs> it it was pretty cringy. Oh yeah, it was, and 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 that says something because now trailers are like a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a channel that shows just trailers, or there's a show. Oh yeah. Where they just show trailer movie trailers. You yeah. know what it's called? Nothing but trailers. <laughs> that, honest to God, is the name. I thought that might be shot down south somewhere. It's <laughs> <laughs> a different show, I guess. <laughs> so sorry for my our three our three southern listeners. What's that? The Teeper Gang. Oh, that was another hot rod movie. Yep, Who was right? in that? Oh, let's find out. Probably nobody we've heard of because that's the theme with these. I'm working on it. Oh, it's got a 4.6 out of 10. No, oh, that's better than some of them. <laughs> John Brinkley. John Brinkley. Yes. Ed Nelson. I've heard of none of these people. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you well, that's With Ed most Nelson. of the Hot Rod movies, they yeah, were it's... all people you never heard from. Was right. it Ed, Nelson? Ed, Ed Nelson was in Voice in the Bottom of the Sea, wasn't he? Was he? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> the the TV it. series or the movie? Uh, yeah, I think I thought he might have been in the in the TV series, but I might be wrong. But I he was in one of the two because I like I used to love the TV series. Mm-hmm. He was on an episode of MacGyver. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, whatever was one of the twist on that was was uh, was that drag strip girl, with uh you know you have you have the the girl who's half sex symbol, half badass on the on the track, you know, and then the twist is the guys are trying to get her attention, you know, in a but. Usually the guy is the racer. Yes. And now the, the girl is well, the and, racer. And, yeah. uh, and that's the way they 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 kept doing those movies. It was Hot Rod Girl or it was Hot Rod Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, uh, right. And then there was a right. Hot Rod Girl was basically the same as Drag Strip Girl, except that it had Chuck Connors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did they ever have reverses? What's that? Hot Rod Guy versus Hot Rod Girl. That Who wins? Great. Yeah. So then I guess uh, with all the gang stuff, you have to look at The Wild One. Oh, Marlon Brando. Right. 1953. Ah. Uh, Brando puts up the absolute perfect uh, rendition of what uh, the, the motorcycle gangster should look like with the... Uh, the cap and the leather and the jacket. leather with the with the with the symbol the the yes. club letters on the back yeah yeah I mean right. it was his look was iconic to what the motorcycle gang leader is going to look like now yeah. did he reference that or did people reference him people referenced him so I wonder going if forward. he was if he was the one that actually started that whole I, look. I can't say for sure. I'm sure he based it on something, but I mm-hmm. think most people that came after that based it on him. I think you're right. Yeah. I think the way Hollywood sets trends. Yes. You know. That, a trend was set absolute with that one. I so think, I think that, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just was going to say, I think that definitely opened the door for the later movies they made with the, the Hells Angels stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Open yeah. the door for that. Yeah. I mean that's that's crazy to think that he may have influenced the whole look of that whole thing. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, and he absolutely did. Right. And you got the typical guy from the wrong side of the tracks is attract is you know, attracted to the um more socially well off girl and then there's that conflict goes along with that. And of you course have Lee, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin was in it? I didn't know yes. that. Yes. He was yeah. the leader. <laughs> and I kid you not, the, the, his gang was called the Beatles. <laughs> That's great. How was it spelled? <laughs> yeah. Two E's. Oh. There you go. Yeah. This great line. Great line was when one of the establishment asked uh, Brando, what are you rebelling against? And he says, what, what do you, you got? got? That's oh, right. yeah. That is. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> By the way, essential. That was, that was uh, not to jump too far ahead, but that was spoofed on The Simpsons when Lisa, <laughs> Lisa decided to misbehave. Yeah, Lisa. Decided well, I mean, that whole thing became iconic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So what? Lisa asked Bart. Yeah. Well, so the teacher, uh, the counselor, was asking, you know, what you know, you've been mis- misbehaving a lot. What? Uh, you know, what are you rebelling against? And she's got a little toothpick in your mouth. She goes, what are you got? It's, it's great. Um, there's an odd scene in that near the end where they, where the two guys are trying to describe a tire iron to the cop. Do you remember this? No. It's really funny. It's like, well, yeah, you know, a tire iron where you used to take off the, the, the thing and you change the tire. Like the cop's like, 
He threw what at the what? <laughs> like I, was, I, was, I was floored that this like the cop didn't know what a tire iron was. But anyway. That is really weird. Yeah. But, you know, more adults behaving badly, trying to frame Brando at the end, you know. That is weird. That's yeah. really weird. Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so anyway, yeah, so the, the, the town is set upon by two different gangs. One mm-hmm. Brando's, one Lee Marvin's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee Marvin winds up uh, teaming up with Paul McCartney. They keep the name The Beatles. <laughs> but they changed the spelling. <laughs> so what I want to do is talk about another subgenre, um, which is the rock and roll theme. The rock and roll movie. Yeah, the rock and roll movie. The Alan I mean, Freed. Alan, yes, Alan Freed. Uh, Tuesday Weld was in a lot of these too, and that's you know what particular interest to me because I. Have g- gained quite an appreciation of Tuesday. Oh Wells. yes, <laughs> yeah. my goodness. Yeah, and you know she never. Um, the last thing I saw Tuesday well as in a, just as a tangent, the last thing I think I saw Tuesday Weldon was Falling Down with Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Michael Douglas's wife, I think, in that. Um, really, I think so. Yeah, I think that was Tuesday Weld. Um. And of course, by then she was past her prime, and right. so to speak. But yeah, she was big. I mean, there was like this two or three year window where she was big, and she's just a gorgeous, gorgeous woman, you know. My yeah. my my first uh, recognition of her was in the Flintstones. <laughs> really? Where there there is a, a movie being shot, and I remember Fred Fred yelling. Hey, Monday, Tuesday, what you doing on Saturday? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Tuesday well was was something else. My God, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Alan, but Alan, there was this Alan, a sub-subgenre was the Alan Freed movies where he would sort of run the show and, you know, it harkens back to the, uh, almost to the Andy Hardy things where... You know, we're gonna put on this thing. Put on the show. Yeah, we're gonna put on. We're gonna put on the show, and you know, it kind of draws a parallel in a lot of ways to Footloose later. You know, Mm. where a small town, something the adults are trying to ban something, and the kids are trying to make it happen. And oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Rock, Rock, Rock was one of those. It was a really. I mean, these were musicals in a lot in the most. They really were. Yeah, they were. uh, A lot of them, uh, I thought, were. But they that's not as much uh, story as musical performances. Yes, it makes sense in that spotlight because it's a movie about music. So yeah, you've got to have perf- musical performances as part of the plot. You just but have to. Most of those had really good performances. Uh, well, yeah, Chuck so you, Berry, right? Chuck Berry, uh, uh, Go Johnny Go, Go Johnny Go with Richie Valens. Yeah, oh, that's right. Frankie Lyman was another one oh, that was yeah. in. He was in Rock, Rock, Back Rock. Back when he was uh, with the teenagers. Yeah, exactly. Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. Um, and Tuesday in in Rock, Rock, Rock. For uh, just as an aside, Tuesday Weld's voice was dubbed over the singing voice by Connie Francis. No who, kidding. Yeah, who herself ended up in it, being showcased in some of these. Uh, there, there was a whole lot of the uh, singing voices being overdubbed. 
yeah. Back then. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and just another interesting little, two interesting little things about this. Uh, Valerie Harper was an extra in it. Valerie Harper? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Rhoda. Yeah. <laughs> Valerie Harper. Did she have a giant scarf on her head? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's one of like a handful of these. I saw this in a couple of other ones, but uh, like the, the interested parties never renewed the copyright, so it's in public domain. Really? Yeah. So I thought that was... I didn't think anything like this was in public domain, but apparently it happens more often than you think it does. So That seems kind of crazy. Yeah, it does. I, I, especially because they are they feature uh, publicly played yes. musical... Right, right. And, you know, there's not... There's, at this point, there's probably not a lot of residuals to be had with rock, 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 right? But still. Right, you know. <laughs> but there's still the performances. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you would think just the performances themselves would cause the music companies to renew the copyrights on these things. Yeah. I mean, um, that means we can use all of it and not have to pay anything. That's exactly what it means. I say fuck them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Rock Around the Clock was another one. Another one of those putting on the show right, thing right. in the Annie Hardy tradition. Alan Freed was in that one as well. Um and Bill Haley looked Bill like Haley he was, looked like such a teenager. Yeah, with his little spit curl. Bill Haley. <laughs> Bill Haley features prominently in a lot of the. I mean, it was uh, he, it was the Alan Freed Bill Haley fran, mini franchise, really. You know, he, he looked like the older guy at the bar <laughs> <laughs> that was behind everybody. Like, hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> hey, listen, he was big in England. He oh, was ginormous. Tall. Really? After after he wore out over here, uh, I remember uh, uh, Graham Nash, for one, talking about how he had shown uh, in an interview years ago, showing his stuff, uh, Haley concert that he had gone to uh, over there. So, yeah, Haley was huge over there. That's interesting. He, I remember seeing um, uh, like a newsreel of a Bill Haley show in England where the teenagers swarm the stage, started just fucking tearing the stage up. Wow, like the Did you see that, Dave? You remember that? Yeah, yeah. And Rock Around the Clock has was was loosely based on the the concept of how rock and roll got started, the genesis of rock and roll and rock and rock around the clock, that was the whole you know, supposed to be the backstory. Obviously, it's a grossly distorted version of that. Oh God, yeah. you know, but because <laughs> you know, it's it's as we know, it's much more complicated than that. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, oh, it's the, speaking the, of the jump blues and the shout yes. blues and the shit that uh, yeah. that I love that came yeah. before that. Yeah. yeah. And, and don't don't knock the rock was another one. Again, mm-hmm. it was Alan Freed. Um, but at this point, it makes sense to mention, you know, we were talking about Alan Freed, how he's he's the godfather of DJs, obviously. He was the king. He still is. I mean, and if we're going with the theme of this podcast of how that influenced pop culture, I mean, DJs, you know, everybody knew their local DJ, right? Every, Absolutely. You know, even yeah. into the 70s and 80s, it was a thing. Yes. Like, you knew who your DJ were, you know. And that all goes back to Alan Freed. He wielded a lot of power, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. but, but in that regard, I, I think at that time, most of the DJs in their areas did. I mean, mm-hmm. 
he was certainly one of the biggest ones. Uh, but right, that was back at a time where the DJs could decide what got on the radio. It's oh, a lot yeah. of power. Yeah. And, well, absolutely. And, and I, I'm going to go ahead and ask you right now, Dave. I, I am. I actually want to do a uh, an episode on the American DJ. Okay. Because of the sway that they, I mean, Jesus, there was a time when they ruled the city. Oh, they did. They, yeah, they made out their own playlists, and they were very influential. And as Don just said, in their individual cities, uh, just a few names to, since you brought it up. Hunter Hancock in L.A. was huge. Uh, Dewey Phillips in Memphis was mm-hmm. huge. Oh, yeah. And there were uh, there was a couple of guys in Philadelphia who were, who were big. And, uh, yeah, these guys were – and, uh, well, that's how Paola got started because, uh, you know, it was so important. When and that's Ryan what was, took uh, – uh, Right. Alan Freed down. Alan Freed down, yeah. Yeah. And a few others. And, you know, the, the, the shame about that was uh, Dick Clark was doing that as much as anybody, but because of his clean-cut image, they didn't go after him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They went after Freed because – Largely because Freed was promoting the uh, the live concerts, they thought he was a, he was causing trouble, and at that time he was pushing all the black acts. Yes, yeah. I, I was just about to say that because yeah. he, no. uh, he he absolutely was was uh, putting the black performers on the same level playing field as the yeah. white performers, and nobody in establishment liked that. Mm-hmm. No. Even if the public actually did, yes, you know, so he, yeah, he had musical taste. <laughs> That's right. exactly right, or a sort of sense of, you know, a sense of you're you're all missing out on this. Yeah, let's you know, let's expose as many people as we can. So let's not cut ourselves. I mean, Chuck Berry and and uh, Little Richard, that was <laughs> good shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was in, uh, they were in Mr. Rock and Roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and. and Wolfman Jack was another one. Remember, a little bit later, you know, yeah, yeah. Wolfman Jack. Yeah, that, coming that, the, part of that coming lineage. In the '60s, he yeah. became uh, the prominent, especially what out like L.A. Uh, well, yeah, and then he, got, he became syndicated, of course. Yeah, basically, basically L.A. Yeah, right. And going for you know Casey Kasem, Rick Dees, you know, yeah. Rick Dees, oh, absolutely. the glorified, you know, glorified. Uh, but, but I mean, it was programmed at that point. But right. still, you know. But aside from syndication, I mean, but uh, and then that, and that's my thing when I want to do this is um, I want to stay away, stay away from the syndication and uh, just talk about the impact that these DJs had on their cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, just to go off on the tangent. Well, you're talking about DJs. Have you guys ever seen that movie, The Idol Maker? No, I've not seen that. No, I have. Okay, it's 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 a movie worth watching. Uh, with uh, Ray Sharkey, who who uh, is dead now. He died of a of a of a uh, because he, he he was a heroin addict and he died because he had uh, AIDS infected needles. But he was a good actor, and it's a movie made uh, in the early uh, in the eighties about uh, loosely. Loosely based on the guy who uh, promoted Frankie Avalon and Fabian. Oh, I think I did see that. Okay. 
And there's a scene where he 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 writes songs, and he gets the first singer to, to record his uh, song, and he starts. He gets a, he gets the another his his uh his dad is a mafia guy, so he gets him to loan him like fifty thousand bucks to press some copy. And he takes this guy out on the road with a, with a trunk with a you know forty fives in his trunk, and uh, he goes to uh, uh, a DJ up in uh, Syracuse, I think, and. Uh, uh, there's a there's a scene where the guy says, "Hey, Vinny, you know, it takes me a long time to build my playlist. You know, I'm particular. It takes me." And so, <laughs> Vinny reaches into his pocket, starts peeling peeling off bills, and stuffs it in a in a sleeve, and uh, hands it to the guy. Okay, Vinny, you're on the air. It's it, <laughs> that's 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 how it worked back then. That's how that whole payola thing worked. Payola, yeah. So, uh, that, that's a, that's a good movie if you ever get a chance to check it out. I'm going to have to check that out again. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, I've not seen that, but that sounds like something. And another one, uh, and I know this isn't our, what we're talking about, but another one that I liked was American Hot Wax. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot all about that one. That was really, yeah. really good. Yeah. And, that, uh, you know, that one was about uh, the music scene in the 50s. And wasn't that... Uh, who was the the main guy that was uh, shit? The Tonight Show, uh, Jay Leno, right? He, he played he uh, Mookie. Oh, he played who? Mookie. 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 And Fran Drescher was in that as well. She was. Oh, that's right. Cheryl. Yeah. Jerry Lewis was in it. Chuck Berry. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that I was. I, I really enjoyed that movie. The guy's name that played Freed was Tim. Tim somebody. I can't remember. Tim McIntyre. There you go. Very good, Don. Yeah, yeah. So one of them, just to just to put a bow on this subgenre, I think we spent a little bit more time on the girl can't help it. This was the the music, the rock and roll, but it was a comedy, and it had Little Richard. It was a vehicle for basically trying to catapult Jane Mansfield to stardom, but apparently she came across as a, a bad imitation of Marilyn Monroe, and it didn't quite work. She yeah. she kind of looks like it in this photo. But yeah, god damn, she was. Yeah, she was. She yeah. was. Who wow. But uh, Fats Domino was also in this, so that was oh man. And uh uh. Uh, Little Richard did the theme song, which I that's one of my favorite Little Richard songs. Yeah. So here's the, to me, the, the, this is one of the most notable things about what we're doing tonight, period, uh-huh. is it influenced Paul McCartney. Really? It led, it led to John Lennon joining the band. No. John Lennon was first. Not according to what I said. <laughs> <laughs> they, John Paul McCartney and John Lennon had an informal conversation uh-huh. about this, and they started talking. And Paul was he was a big advocate for this movie, and he started trying to, you know, he's like they were doing the skiffle thing. Remember? That, yeah. yeah, that was that, but that was Lennon. Yeah, and Paul McCartney went to see them. At a concert at a church, well, not a concert, but a a, a, a show at a church. It was during a, a, a festival, and so Lennon was playing with uh, 
uh, his, his skiffle group. The Quarrymen. Yeah, the Quarrymen. And then McCartney came to see them. And uh, Lennon wound up, because Lennon uh, was started talking to him on break. McCartney asked if he could see his uh, guitar and started playing 20 Flight Rock. Lennon was impressed. Then, a couple weeks later, he asked his friend Pete to ask McCartney to join the band. And McCartney also McCartney knew how to tune a guitar. Yes, which uh, uh, Lennon was doing banjo tuning at the time. Yeah. According to this, they both were underage to see the movie, wore fake mustaches, and snuck in. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, John. I, I didn't mean to throw you, but no, that's all right. That's, that's I, fine. I, you know what a beetle weirdo I am, yeah. so I know. So, but I think you know it also establishes you know the connection between Little Richard and the Beatles and how oh, they God. toured together. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. They opened for Little Richard. They yeah. opened for Little Richard back in '62. 61, 62. And I saw some story about how they were they were in the middle of either recording an album or filming one of their movies. They were rec- recording Birthday right. at Abbey Road. That's it. So they could watch the TV premiere of the film. Of, the British TV premiere of the film. Yeah, so it's, it's an influential movie, more than you might think. Scott, I am going to give you extra gold stars <laughs> <laughs> after this. It says... Uh, Producers wanted Elvis Presley to perform in this movie. Wow. Really? Yeah, but Tom Parker demanded too much money for Elvis to sing one song. Oh, the Colonel. <laughs> <laughs> the Colonel was always looking out for Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, I hate to keep, I hate to keep going back to, to this, but they wanted, uh, when, they, when they went to make the movie... West Side Story. They wanted Elvis as Tony. I don't know if you knew that or not. They oh my Elvis. God! They did. They wanted Elvis to play Tony. And again, the, the Colonel uh, thought that was a bad, uh, you know, a bad career move for him. Mm-hmm. So that's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You also kind of makes you wonder what else was discarded in his. Yes, offers, you do. You know. Well, I know that um, a Star is Born. Star is Born. Uh, Colonel- Which was, by the way, remade. Five times, yes. or six times, something Colonel, like that. Colonel yeah. shot that down for Elvis as well. Wow, because uh, he didn't want him to be. I mean, the... Elvis could have been a star. <laughs> and the thing is, if you look at he some of the early born. movies, if you look at some of the early movies, Elvis was could have could have had some chops. Mm-hmm. He, he, he did. Yeah, uh, he could have been pretty good. Yeah, unless you watch Clam Bake. <laughs> Which is my favorite movie about a clam bake? <laughs> well, it's of course. I mean, it's the it sets the standard. <laughs> so now, uh, when we're looking at teen movies in the fifties, I can't believe we're still in the fifties. I know. Do we have to look at some of the teen horror movies as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, my first off is The Blob. Yeah, there you go. Looking at The yeah. Blob too. Yeah. Steve McQueen. And Anita Corso. What's that? Anita Corso. Yes. From, yeah. from the Andy Lewis show. 
later on. So uh, you have uh, people at Lover's Lane, teenagers at Lover's Lane to see what they think is a uh, falling star or whatever. Then they realize it's crash landed. Yeah. Uh, then <laughs> Zeke <laughs> reaches his hand in, gets gobbled up by the goo. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, hell ensues. Yeah, I always found that unsettling because the the monster blob, the entity, the alien, whatever you can't kill it. it. Didn't ha- right? You can't kill it. Didn't really have a personality. Right. No. It was just this insidious force that was, yeah, yeah. It was to me. It was just very, very unsettling. Music by Burt Bacharach. Oh, that, well, uh, <laughs> the uh, theme song, right? The theme song. Yeah. It, uh, but it was a spoof, right? Was it supposed? He was like doing a tongue in cheek. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if um, they first did just the theme, or if they added the lyrics later. Mm-hmm. Uh, beware of the blob. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I have, I have that. Um, yeah. And you know, the long story short is they figure out they can't fucking kill this thing yeah so they they wind up airlifting this blob of blob to the antarctic Mm -hmm. and freeze it it's still alive Mm -hmm. but it's frozen right still can't kill it (laughs) and uh it ends with the end question mark mark. (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if it was the first one to do that but uh, i yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a cool There was movie. kind of a variation on... Uh, there was a book written called The Ice Limit. You remember this book? It was written in, no. the, I think, the 90s. Kind of a variation on the blob. It was basically this alien seed that came down, crash-landed. Some oceanographers found it, but they couldn't determine what it was or whatever. And then they realized that it was... Uh, it was it was like an alien seed, and they couldn't destroy it, so they took it to Antarctica, the below the ice limit, and did the same thing. So it was like a, obviously it was a like yeah. a der- derivation of that, yeah. Oh, and uh, sort of like the thing, yeah. Which is uh, the thing is one of those few movies that the remake is better than the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of remakes in general. But, but I, what I think the the originals what 1958 with James Arnaz. Um, gotta talk about Whit Bissell a little <laughs> bit, don't we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. many of those was he in? What's you know, that? How many of those was those teen horror movies? You know, it was like the Whit Bissell show, basically. Jeez. You know. You know, I'm reading the last lines of the Blob, mm-hmm. and they're pretty great. It says, at least we got it stopped. And then he goes, yeah, as long as the Arctic stays cold. <laughs> oh. Well, you know what? <laughs> we might be fucked pretty soon. <laughs> I like that's, that's a great line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's food for thought. Oh, fuck. So, uh, how about I was a teenage Frankenstein? Which... Which combines the two most horrifying things to adults. Monsters and teenagers. <laughs> it is. And um, 
That was around the same time as I was a teenage werewolf. That's right. It, oh yeah, wow. Atlanta. Well, that that was a se- that was a sequel, I think. I'm or not was sure it was a sequel? I, I don't remember if. Do you remember if a where uh, I was a teenage werewolf was a sequel to Frankenstein or vice versa? I don't think it was a sequel. I think it was just a standalone movie. Well, uh, well, I won't say sequel, but they were based. They on, were all in the same. Let's yeah, see. they were made by the same uh, filmmakers. Yeah. Um, I was teenage werewolf came out June nineteenth. 1957. Uh, Teenage Frankenstein came out in 57 as well. Yes, yeah, they so both came out the same year. Okay, that, that wasn't Universal, was it? That would have been one of those. Uh, was was that? Oh, a, uh, I think American that might have been AIP or something. Or something. Like, yeah. AIP, American yeah, International. AIP, AIP. And I was Teenage Frankenstein came out November 23rd, 1957. Yeah. Well. So Werewolf, what he came out first. Yvonne Lyon, appealing as the girl who loves him. Whit Bissell, unforgettable as the scientist maddened by the mystery of the werewolf. And Tony Marshall, a tough, friendly enemy. These are the official pictures? Yes, Chief. Slash on either side of the throat. You got any theories? Fangs. He was killed with a werewolf. Panic penetrates every home when this strange unknown killer hits town, taking hold of the teenage crowd, coloring their practical jokes with hysterical humor that'll make you fall flat on your face with horror. So yeah, Michael Landon. Yeah, Michael. Landon. So the thing with with werewolves, I don't get this, and I'm gonna have to ask you, monster, okay. monster people. About okay. This. I've never understood the concept of. Okay, I, I'm willing to go with they transform at some point due to some stimulus, right? Okay. They become a werewolf. Okay. Why do they immediately become violent and predatory? I don't understand. That's what wolves do, Yeah, bitch. But they're not all... <laughs> but wolves aren't okay. going around marauding. I will bring a wolf in here right now, asshole. <laughs> and we'll see how you but, do with it. But wolves aren't going around... Go the... ask... The... I'm, I, I'm telling you what. I'm bringing a wolf in here. You ask it to bring you a beer. I mean, do you want to be a, a teenage corgi? I will. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have the same effect. I'm just saying. Why does it automatically go from to? I mean, wolves are not 100 percent 24 seven violent and predatory. Otherwise, we'd all be slayed by well, wolves. They are mixed with men. <laughs> men are always. But assholes. you would think men. Okay, <laughs> all right, I'll buy that. <laughs> Okay, I'll buy that. I, I, I don't know why they're automatically predatory, but they, they are. are. <laughs> it makes for a good story. It does. <laughs> so my God. So and we're gonna I, we're gonna have another episode on that because we got to go back to Lon Chaney Jr. Mm-hmm. and oh. and apparently teenage wolves are good at sports. Are they? Oh, we'll get that in the eighties. <laughs> That's the next episode. Where's that, Michael J. Fox? Oh, that's Team not Wolf. the only one. That's not the only one. 
So uh, now uh, the thing with uh, the blob, it was also shown with it was shown as a double feature with. That's right. I married a monster from outer space. Yeah, which the title kind of gives away the plot. <laughs> okay, my, again, I've got questions. About yes, this one. Now, she supposedly she finds out that he's an alien after they're married, right? Yes. And it, yeah. it's it slowly dawns on her, uh-huh. and it, she, you know, why didn't this become apparent during courtship? Like something was off. Have you ever seen? My stepmom is an alien. No. <laughs> Since you're talking about I was a teenage werewolf, mm-hmm. there was a there was a similar movie, not not as good, called uh, The Blood of Dracula. Oh yes, I have that on my list. The same okay, the same theme: a girl and a and a, a, a vulnerable young lady at an all girls school falls under the spell of a faculty member who. Well, she had a, an an amulet, Bo. Yes. <laughs> That's going to do it. <laughs> but Landon was fell under the spell of, uh, was it Whit Bissell? I don't know. It was another guy. I think it was Whit Bissell, yeah. Yeah. He was Whit Bissell, uh, was hypnotizing him in that one. So, very similar theme. Uh, it wasn't as good a movie, as, uh, in my opinion, as, as uh, I was a teenage werewolf, but... And gut uh, is relative in these, right? Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> relative. I mean, they're all pretty bad movies. Um, but the idea was to make money, not to make art. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You wanted to put a, a, in the drive-in, a right? movie at the drive-in. And you and wanted that. the girl to scurry to the man during the, during the scary scenes. and you know, That's right. Pretty much. And, and uh, oh, and, and my, uh, I see that Guy Williams was also in... Teenage Werewolf. Oh, yeah. He was Zorro. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, Dr. Robinson in uh, the Lost in Space. That's, 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 that's where I really know. And then, uh, and evidently, that movie had nothing to do with the Cramp song. <laughs> I was a teenage werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pop culture-wise, that has spawned... The whole teenage werewolf thing has spawned a lot of music. You think? I mean, that's... You make a good point. I mean, you make a good... Yeah. Culturally, that's pretty damn big. (laughs) Because the the Cramp song was pretty popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and there's bands that deal... Named after it, and it's it's taken on a whole thing. And who... And never would have occurred to the people that made the movie that that was going to happen. They never thought it was going to have... Any kind of impact long term, right? Exactly. I would assume. And they didn't care that it did or not, right? Well, my favorite part about uh, the blood of Dracula was that she was hypnotized by an amulet. (laughs) 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 But it's an ancient amulet. (laughs) Okay, I'll buy into this. (laughs) What about teenage zombies? We're talking about. Oh, that movie was shit. And again, explain zombie gorilla to me, because I didn't realize it. I guess for primates. No, I I can't explain that. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Teenage zombies had a zombie gorilla in it. A zombie gorilla. Yeah. He's on the poster. Yeah. Duh. (laughs) It's a zombie butt gorilla. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure I understand that. I I guess if it's a subhuman primate, it's susceptible to zombies. Well, you also have to think. That during the 50s, 
and part of the 60s, the big bad in a whole lot of these movies was a guy in a gorilla suit. You always had a, a guy in a gorilla suit in a whole lot of these B-grade uh, horror movies. Yeah, gorillas are intimidating. They're not... But I never understood why they called them monsters, but it was always... <laughs> yeah, they're, you know, so-and-so versus the monsters. Oh, it's a guy in a gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that has to go back to King Kong. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you're probably right. But that but that happened in a lot of movies. With you're right. You had a, a mad scientist, and you had a gorilla, a guy in a gorilla suit. You're right. The Three Stooges had an episode like that. Yeah, you're right. Scooby Doo had an episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, uh, and 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 we were talking about AIP before American International Pictures. Uh, they also gave us uh, How to Make a Monster. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. a makeup man was fired, so he uh, chooses some teens up to become monsters. <laughs> uh, let me let me inject you with my monster serum <laughs> because I'm a makeup guy and I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's like semi science, I guess. Like, uh, yeah, I, it's a bit of a stretch for me too. Yeah, yeah, all. Um, uh, oh. And then we also had Teenage Caveman, and that one was also by Roger Corman. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Who who was in that, Ryan? Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn? Robert Vaughn was in Teenage Caveman. As an adult or as a young person? uh, He was the star. He was a Teenage Caveman. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Wait. What year was that? Uh, I, I don't have that written down. What, 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 what year I'm looking at a... Teenage Caveman. 58. I like that uh, Scott has become our Robin Quivers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, hey, uh, Robin. What do you say? Nice. Wouldn't take this, gonna take your top off, Robin. <laughs> I, I, I can. Take top You're gonna take your top off, Scott. <laughs> well, it was only that's interesting because it was only seven years later that he was doing Man from Uncle. So, well, exactly. I mean, you got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Nicholson Steve did. Between. He did shit for a long time. Right. Yeah. But yeah, he God went to damn. from that to doing five easy pieces. I mean, how different are two movies than <laughs> that piece of shit that he made? Yeah, I mean, to, so, you know. I mean, in the fifties. You know, we had all these um, you know teenagers from outer space, and we had all the juvenile delinquents and all this horseshit. <laughs> but now that leads us into the swing and sixties. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, uh, originally, I had this uh, pegged as later, but I, I, I honestly, I want—I'd uh, like for Dave to lead us uh, with West Side Story. I would like you to start. Uh, it's, it, that is 1962, I believe, right? One sixty-one. Sixty-one. So we're right at the start of uh, the '60s. This is quintessential teen movie. Yeah. Well. You know, 
I don't want to, I can I can talk for hours about West Side Story, uh, but my favorite my favorite uh, musical of all time. Um, do you guys have any, do you guys have any observations? About, What's that? I'm sorry. Do you guys have any observations about the movie? No, I I I want I, I would like you to take the lead on this because I mean. I know it, it. I know it's one of your favorites, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on it. Well, let me let me start here, and and you you feel free to disagree. And Don and Scott, um, I broke down and watched the Spielberg remake. Um, I was I could spend hours talking about that too. Uh, I was I was not impressed. I I I I didn't watch it. I've I've only seen the original. Yeah. Well, there were, first of all, there was no, there was absolutely no reason to remake that movie. It was a classic. It won Ted Academy Awards. Um, that That's the way I feel a whole, about a whole lot of movies, though. Well, you're you're right. That was a Spielberg uh, vanity project. It was. Simple. Anyway, back to 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 the '61 uh, movie. Uh, well, uh, that was of course adapted uh, from the. Uh, the stage play. Now, uh, I, 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 let me interject real quick. That oh, absolutely. go ahead. I, as a kid, as a kid seeing this, I was equally enthralled by both Natalie Wood and by uh, or not, not, yeah, Natalie Wood, right? Yeah. And by uh, Rita Moreno, I was yeah. I was just captivated by both of those women. Absolutely. Well, Rita Moreno was was fabulous. She won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, and George Chakuris won Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. Um, when they made the movie, they uh, uh, Jerome Robbins and uh, Robert Wise uh, directed it, and they they brought in they brought in members of the original Broadway and London cast. To, to you know, to uh, Robbins, of course, one of the best dancers he could get. Um, I already mentioned that they 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 were thinking about Elvis for Tony, but uh, Parker, we already talked about that. Was mm-hmm. instant. Good old Parker. Mm-hmm. So they ended up with uh, Richard Beamer. Um, now, somebody, uh, I think Brian earlier mentioned something about overdubbing. <laughs> Everybody was overdubbed in that movie because the guy, Saul Chaplin, was the associate producer, and his specialty was overdubbing voices. Mm-hmm. So Natalie, Natalie Wood's voice was overdubbed. Richard Beamer's voice was overdubbed. Um, now, uh, Rita Moreno did her own singing to a point, but uh, in, the mo- in, the mo- in the number A Boy Like That, she couldn't hit. She had part of that song overdubbed by uh, by. Uh, they, these were session singers uh, who were overdubbing the part. Um, I first saw the movie when I was ten in '63 and fell in love with it. And my grandmother, uh, who had been a member of the old Columbia Record Club, had given me a copy of. Um, they got those choices of the month back then, and she, and they sent her West Side Story, which she didn't care anything about. Gave it to me. And I remember that 
after I saw the movie in the summer of 63, I wore out that that movie soundtrack. I just wore it out. Came to love it. And uh, so, um, yeah, it was... Um, the, everything about it is uh, the acting, the... Uh, the script. I, I was lucky enough to do a production in high school. We did we did West Side Story in my senior year, and um, now the stage play is a little bit different than the movie. Now, I, I don't want to bore you guys with all that all those details, but I, I was lucky. I fell in love with the character of Riff when I saw the movie, and I was lucky enough to play that part uh, when we did our production. And uh, you know, so anyway. Uh, what are you guys' observations about the, about the movie? So was uh, was Carol Lawrence in the stage version, or the she was not in the movie version, correct? That's that's right. She was she was uh, she was Maria in the stage version, and I for, uh, that's a great point, Don. And i've I've read I've read why she wasn't. I think she wasn't um, she wasn't considered. A, they wanted a, a movie. They wanted a box office. They right. wanted a movie star. And, you know, Natalie Wood, as you guys have already talked about, Natalie Wood was coming off of uh, uh, Rebel Run Out of Cause and a couple of other, uh, I think Splendor in the Grass, or maybe mm-hmm. that was later. Oh, 60, yeah, uh, 71, we, t- we right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted a movie star, so, you know, Carol Lawrence didn't, didn't uh, and Larry Kurt played uh, Tony in the Broadway, and, and, and he was uh, he was really not the, the movie, he was not a movie star type. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, I was I had just I had I was uh, I was a musician on the uh, cruise ship line when I was a younger man. And okay. Carol Lawrence was one of the people that I was lucky enough to play with. Um, but time came, time you know fades those recollections, and I couldn't remember if she was in the. Mo- I've seen the movie a few times, but I couldn't remember if she was in the. But yeah, what's interesting is now David Winters, who played. Um, who played Arab in the movie? He was Baby John on Broadway, and uh, this might surprise you. George Chakuris, uh was actually played Riff in the London Company hmm. on on the stage, and then they they recruited him to Bernardo, which he did a great job of uh, of in uh, in the movie. So most of those people in the movie had had been in various um, productions, either Broadway. Or London, mm-hmm. uh, or, or or the National Touring Company, uh, when they made the movie. So, okay. I love the movie. Uh, I and know you're not a musical guy either, right? And, and, and that it, <laughs> it keeps blowing John's mind because uh, this is the second time I've mentioned I really uh, that I like a musical. The other one I mentioned uh, a couple episodes ago was that I love the Music Man. Yeah. yeah oh, great. I would have guessed you as a painter wagon guy. <laughs> I'm on a picture wagon. <laughs> I never got that one. Sense. I never got that one. I, I, I get grease too. <laughs> Electric boogaloo. <laughs> That's right. We in the first episode we did we deemed all sequels right. Yeah. Electric Let's... boogaloo. <laughs> so. um... So I mean that I'm, that movie is, is is fantastic. It leads us into the sixties, and I I just want to bring in uh, coming into the sixties is that the teen movie had changed, uh, 
rock and roll lost its teeth. You had Little Richard yeah. had uh, left to join. Uh, uh, the, the, he became a preacher. Mm-hmm. You had Elvis in the army. Had been in uh, in service, Inducted, right? Uh, and when he came out in 1960, he was not the same Elvis. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Chuck Berry was in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, rock and roll. Buddy, rock and roll's teeth was removed. There was there was nothing dangerous now about uh, rock and roll. It was guys like you know Bobby. Bobby you Vinton, know, Bobby, Bobby Vinton, and Bobby yeah. V, and everybody named Bobby. Bobby, right? You know, <laughs> it, it was it was it was a bunch of horseshit for the next. So, how do you really feel? About no, it, it, rock and roll for the next several years was horseshit. Uh, I'd say from what fifty about nineteen sixty to maybe nineteen sixty three ish. I mean, there were some good songs, but. Right, it was for, a lot of really bad right, stuff for the whole. For a lot of the mid '60s, it was, it was John Davidson singing "Little Green Apples." You know, it was a lot of that going on. That was what passed for popular music. Yeah, yeah there was. The only bright spots during that period of time were the beginnings of Motown, and the, oh the, god, the, yeah, and right. the, the surf sound coming out of you know the beach, the beach sound coming out of the West Coast. Uh, but other than that, yeah, Don, you're right. There's a, there was a lot of schlock, a lot of schlock. Can, yeah. I, can I ask a question? Yeah. How yes. popular were soundtracks before West Side Story? Well, That's a good question because I don't recall. I mean, I never hear about it prior to West Side Story. You know, it's, that's interesting. Scott, did you ask that? I did, yes. yes. Okay. You know, it's interesting because uh, I've, I've heard I've heard the late Stephen Sondheim talk about this in an interview. Um when they did the Broadway production of West Side Story, the, the songs did not become known. I think there was only one, there was only one recording made of, of, of any of the songs from that show, and I forget who made the recording. But then, because it was, it, it was Broadway, and not that many people saw the, saw the play. When the movie came out, and you had the, the nationally distributed movie soundtrack, then the songs... Uh, then the songs became very popular and started. People started doing, uh, you know, doing cover versions of, 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 of all the songs, like tonight and, and all the you know, I feel pretty mm-hmm. and all. Right. The rest of so yeah, before that time, uh, soundtracks were not that popular. They didn't do that. Well. Yeah, because I, 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 what you said, you, you, you got that soundtrack. I I don't remember hearing about prior soundtracks. No, you're right. And I, I was young. I mean, I was only, like I said, I was only, when I, well, when my grandmother gave me that, I was like eight. And I, but I didn't really start listening to it until after I'd seen the movie, as I said. It. And once I saw the movie, I, I just, uh, you know, of course, I had my favorite parts of it. Um, but yeah, the soundtracks before that time were not that. Yeah, uh, I, it sounds like they were the cutting edge for the soundtracks then. Probably for what we know uh, now. Yeah, I think I think it was. Oh, well, how many years later was the Music Man? Because that had to be like the next year, and like sixty three, sixty two. Yeah, um, it's interesting, Brian, because the Music Man, uh, the Music Man, and West Side Story opened at the same time. No shit. Uh, 
on Broadway, and they were both up for the for the best for the Tony Award for the best um, the best new musical, and West Side Story lost out to The Music Man for the Tony oh, really year. Yeah, and so they 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 made West Side Story. Then uh, The Music Man, which by the way is my second favorite musical uh, <laughs> of all time, and uh, the movie came out in '62, and again. Because the move, because of the movie, you know, nationally, that that soundtrack became huge. Well, and that's what that's what I was going to say is yeah. that is a soundtrack. When I was a little kid, I wore that sound. I wore that album out. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. love. I loved the comedic parts of it. I love the. I, I, the it was so syncopated. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like. Yeah. Uh, uh, What's your favorite? What's your favorite number from that show? Probably trouble. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We got trouble in River City. But right? I, 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 yeah. but the the syncopation part, uh, I I th- is, uh, people will talk a little. I mean that that whole thing was amazing to me as a yeah. kid. Yeah, you're right. But that's not a teen movie, is it? West Side Story? No, The Music Man. <laughs> yeah, and The Music Man. Yeah, there, there, were teen, there were teenagers in it, so. You know. <laughs> That's right. They they were. They got kicked out of the library. And, and by the way, there was, there was a juvenile delinquent, or so-called. Oh, that's Gilles. right, Tommy. Tommy Gilles, yeah. He yes. Was a kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> Did you know in the Music Man, the two songs, 76 Trombones and Goodnight Mr. Someone are the same tune? Really? Played at different tempos. Yeah. Oh, that's true. (laughs) I just read that. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Goodnight, my someone. Wow. Holy shit! That's. And by the way, it was the same, the same, uh, the Buffalo Bills, the same barbershop quartet. They were in the Broadway, they did the Broadway show and the movie. Same, same four guys. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. I, I, I enjoyed them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is nothing I ever say about any barbershop quartet. (laughs) (laughs) Except the B-sharp. Well, actually... My my father uh, was a barbershop singer, uh, and I unfortunately he was a good a good singer. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I did not hear I did not inherit his his singing voice. So now uh, we're going to go back to what, what what were we talking about the where the boys are right where the yeah where the boys are another influential teen movie from the sixties. Uh, this is teenagers in, invade beach in Fort Lauderdale on spring break. Now you don't know what the floodgates opened with that, right? With the teen, the the spring break movies. I mean, well, not only that, but there were like when that movie opened, there were like I want to think seventy five thousand teenagers (laughs) descended upon Fort Lauderdale. They were sleeping. Every they had to bring in the uh, Coast Guard. Yeah. To. Corral these teenagers. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah I mean that—that's how big this movie Since, was. Yeah, that movie was. 
Spring Break became a thing, yes. that movie, and it has been a thing ever since. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, um, but the the cast is pretty amazing, too. You got Connie Francis, George Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, you got Jim Hutton, who was TV, TV Thompson, I think his name was, in the movie. George Hutton, you, uh, and I'm sorry, not George Hutton, Jim Hutton, who was Timothy Hutton's father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin! <laughs> you keep going back. Yeah. But this was a uh, sexually supercharged movie. I mean, that was the whole... I mean, and what I noticed about that, watching some of this footage, is how closely packed everything together was on that beach. I mean, it was just incredible how many people you can get on one beach. Yes. Uh, and I think that's the way it was for most of the beach movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the beach shots, they wanted as many asses as they could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they did the, the dancing scenes. Am I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's better than most of the... I mean, it was, well, a good Oh, movie. that's a good That's movie. That kind of... Most of the beach movies were <laughs> shit. Right. And then, you know, we've been talking about a lot of movies tonight. Not very many of them would you call good movies, but this one I think you could, you know, obviously it's subjective, but it's Well, a, no, we, we talked about some yeah. good movies. Yeah, like but, The Blob. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about West Side Story would qualify as a good movie, I think. You're right. So we talked about a we, few. We talked yeah. about Rebel Without a Cause. Right. And yeah, I mean, that was I forgot. good movies, but yeah. <laughs> but we talked about some shit, too. Cry baby, cry baby killer. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're thinking of, you're, you're staying there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it grabs my, grabs my attention, the bad movies for some reason. Um, But yeah, uh, you want to, you think about, uh, it, what's funny is, is, you know, um, how this the sex was front and center in this one. Uh-huh. I mean, there were there were high, all these hijinks going what, on. What year did this come out? Oh, what year was? I want to say sixty three. Where the boys are, nineteen sixty. Sixty. Oh, that. Oh, okay. shit! So the, right at the beginning. Right, and so this would have still been a little bit risque with a lot of TNA. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And way more risque than what the you know the the, the subsequent beach movies that, that that's came out. That's a good point because they they made a point with those movies to keep it you know implied. Yes. Keep the sexuality implied. You know, whereas the uh, where the boys are, you just look at that trailer. There's nothing implied there. <laughs> Jumps for joy with Glendon Swarthout's inside story of those uproarious Easter vacations. Gentlemen, the city of Fort Lauderdale is once again under fire from the north. Now, Fort Lauderdale is not the only community to be invaded at this time. In Palm Springs and in Newport, on the beaches of the Mid-Atlantic, the students of America are gathering to celebrate the rites of spring. Where's the beach? According to this, it's across the street. Join the fun as the gang tears loose where the boys are. There's plenty of room, all the comforts of home. Anybody here from Princeton? 
Come on, live it up with their laugh sessions, their romantic sessions, and those way out jam sessions. You gotta turn on the sunshine, you're gonna push the blues away. It's the singing sensation of the nation, Connie Francis, who falls for a nearsighted purveyor of something called dialectic jazz. You may rub rosin on my bow. They come from everywhere, with every kind of an approach. You have just saved the life of T.B. Thompson, Junior Class, Michigan State. This guy believes in the direct approach. Now take sex. Wow. Even the Ivy Leaguers get into the act, with a big yacht, no less. Would you like to stay aboard tonight? That's probably about the coolest approach I've ever had. Each girl has her own approach to love. That's my ambition, to be a walking, talking baby factory. Legal, of course, and with union labor. Honestly, Doctor, if a girl doesn't make out with a bad once in a while, she might as well leave campus. I should like to know what making out means, and so would the class. Well, I... Dr. Roger, I think they do already. <laughs> you certainly had me fooled. All that talk. That's all it was, is talk. Unless you love me the way I love you. I love you, Merritt. It's all in the name of spring vacation. Rollicking with the hilarious abandon of his wacky, warm, wonderful young people. Last one is rock me! As they bring good cheer and confusion to the natives and hysterics to the audience in the screen's biggest bonanza of bang-up entertainment. Where the boys are, someone waits for What lungs? Get those lungs. It hasn't anything to do with her lungs. You gotta give in one time. You gotta turn on the sunshine. Push those blues away. Where the boys are, that's for me. And then you, you go to, well, well 1959 had Gidget which I guess started the whole beach thing, right, Dave? Yeah. And that was Sandra D. Yes, okay. that one was Sandra D. The original, yeah. And then that sort of led in, uh, coming into the 60s, it's it's Mike the Dog. Mike the Mike, Dog has Mike. made... Uh, Mike has made his... Have, his, you know his have, you, have you heard ah. tap dancing? <laughs> Mike has made his Whenever appearance. Mike makes an appearance, it Better sounds late. like a troop of tap dancers have entered the room. Then going into... Yeah, you want to segue into the beach blanket the thing. The beach blanket. Yeah. You know, the beach movies with uh, Frankie and that. It was, uh, you know, they were mainly Frankie and Dee Dee. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were they were one movie. Uh, they, yeah, they, they were one movie that they split into twelve parts. Yes, <laughs> I mean, you had uh, okay. The, the seven in order of release are Beach Party, mm-hmm. where you have an anthropologist studies culture of the kids <laughs> because he thinks beach culture is going back to like uh, uh, caveman days. That was, was Bob Cummings, I believe. Yes. Uh, 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 and um, the uh, and this set the the tone on all the other ones where I'm going to make you jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the appearances by uh, uh, of, of Eric von Zipper I I always appreciated in all of those movies. 
yeah, they had recurring characters, which was yes. what, one of the endearing things, right? About the yes, Don Rickles was in. Yeah, he was in a lot of them. Yeah, what was he? He was Mister Plow, Mister Drop, Mister the Big Drip. The Big Drip was that what it was? Big he drop? was Big Drip, Big Drip, Big Drop. He was he was all kinds of different. But he weird. wasn't Mister Plow. Apparently. <laughs> that was <horrible. laughs> no, no. Everybody's going to Bikini Beach to have fun in the sun with that musical beach party gang. Frankie Avalon, Annette Funicello, Martha Heyer, Harvey Lembeck, Don Rickles, and special guest star Keenan Wynn. I am determined to prove that you young people are borderline cases leaning toward feeble-mindedness with an abnormal preoccupation with sex. Bikini Beach, Serpent Monkey Shines versus The Call of Love. Every time we kiss now, it's plain to see. It's Watusi time! Well, they all stand up as the idols by. Gonna cheer them on for the record try. <laughs> yeah, 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 now that's the way! What did you say? Bon Zipper's rats. You stupid! Versus the beach party gang going drag strip. Von Zipper in all those movies? Vaguely. Oh Vaguely. man, he was my favorite part on all of those. Okay. okay. He he was uh he dressed exactly like uh, uh Brando <laughs> in the wild one. He had the cap and the leather and everything. It was an obvious take on yeah, Brando. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh Harvey Lembeck, I, I thought was great. Um okay. Uh, next was Muscle, Muscle Beach Party. Oh, yeah. And this one was the first one that included Don Rickles. And he was the owner of her gym. 
<laughs> because when you when you see Rickles, you think, oh, yeah, homeowner. You think. <laughs> <laughs> And this also had the first appearance of Stevie Wonder what? in a motion picture. Really? A little Stevie Wonder. He uh, performed basically fingertips. It was slightly different than fingertips. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. It was, it, uh, uh, he basically said, come on, come on. Yeah. That's noteworthy. I mean. Cause... Yeah, but yeah. It was his first film yeah. appearance. Yeah. Um, then this one was followed by Muscle Beach Party, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, oh, no, I've, I've already talked about Muscle Beach Party. Next was Bikini Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Harvey Limbeck was back as Eric Von Zipper, and <laughs> Frankie, Frankie played dual roles as both Frankie and Potato Bug, who was an alien, and <laughs> Annette wanted to make Frankie jealous, jealous with bug with, with potato, potato bug, bug. <laughs> and uh, uh, Don Rickles was a big drag, a big <laughs> stash, it was. and it also had Keenan Wynn, mm. okay. and uh, Stevie Wonder was in it again. Really? Oh yes, he was. Yep. I, and I just found that out the other day. I just found it out now. <laughs> Uh, after that one was Pajama Party. Oh, Tommy. I didn't realize Pajama Party was part of that. Series. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Tommy Kirk is a Martian named Gogo. <laughs> <laughs> Why are there so many Martians? Like the, great, the Great Kazoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Elsa Lanchester and Dorothy Lamour. And this was the first appearance uh, as uh, of uh, Buster Keaton. Mm-hmm. As Chief Rotten Eagle, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you also have uh, Terry Gar and Terry Tony Basil Gar. as uncredited roles in the Pajama in oh, wow. Pajama Girls. Oh wow! Um, Annette has the hots for Big Lunk. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> and, 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 uh, oh God, I wish I would have written down his name because he was in all of the the uh, beach movies. The big dude with the the tall hat. Anyway, did he play Big Lunk? Yeah, uh, Jody McCray. Jody McCray. He was in all of these, and he had uh, his names changed as. Big Lunk or Dumbass or... <laughs> dumbass. You know, I don't... He was, dumbass. He always had a southern twang. <laughs> so, naturally, he was from the south, so he was stupid. <laughs> oh, there goes... Oh, we've alienated all of our southern <laughs> well, no, listeners. No, I'm just saying. That, that's that that's the stereotype, the, right? Was, yeah. The, and, you know, fairly or not, it still is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He played Bonehead in a couple movies. Bonehead, yes. Bonehead was another one. How to Stuff a Wild Bikini was <laughs> was a movie. Yeah, we'll get it. I want to watch that one. I not so, so anyway. So uh, Annette has the hots for Big Lunk, which is the first time this has happened, and um, she's he's not interested. So she flirts with Go Go the Martian to make him jealous. <laughs> there is 
sort of a thing going on with the yeah, jealousy. I get it, yeah. Uh, they come back again in Beach Blanket Bingo. Okay, so Beach Blanket Bingo, we need to spend a little bit more time on because that's that it was that one. As far as the beach movies go, with Frankie, that one that one was kind of gold. Yeah. So you had Don Rickles again. You had Paul Lind. You had Linda Buster, Evans. Buster Linda, that's right, a very young lady. You had Buster, very Ke- young Linda Buster Evans. Keaton dancing around. Yes, which is pretty amazing. You know, and it's you know in. It's a musical. Ed Buster Keaton is against, you know, he's a show stealer. I mean, it, you know, it's just that physical element that he has. I mean, he's always, he was always that way. Oh I mean, my that was God. this was, thing. Buster right? Keaton was amazing. Can, he could can you guess who steal played? any scene he was in? What's it? What's can, it? can you guess who played Bonehead? Uh, Judy McRae. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, uh, Riggles was in this one again. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he had an opportunity. And I, I'm telling you, I just watched part of this night before last. And it was great. It, it looked like they just gave Rickles the green light and said, Rickles, be Rickles. <laughs> and he comes out. You know, uh, uh, Annette was usually DD in most of the movies, and he comes up to uh, their their table and he goes, "Frankie and Dee Dee, Frankie and Dee Dee." <laughs> he goes, "What are you doing here? You're 43. Look at you. <laughs> You're old and wrinkled. You're 43. Go home." <laughs> he goes, "Frankie, Frankie, have you heard yourself sing? You can't sing." <laughs> he says, "Frankie, sing ah." Frankie starts saying, ah, he slaps him in the face. That's terrible. <laughs> he goes, Dee Dee, Dee Dee, I never liked you. <laughs> Personally, I never liked you. She starts laughing. He goes, what are you, a seal? <laughs> I, of course, everybody, anybody that's listening to the show knows I'm a, a Don Rickles fan. Rickles absolutely. Fan. Uh, this movie, I, I, but that's the one that, of the twelve or however many thirteen. That's probably the most well-known. What would you say? I would say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when most people think of the beach movies, they say beach, beach blanket movie. But they Bingo. don't, right? But they don't mean that. Right. They don't understand maybe that there's more to it than that, yeah. just that movie, right? Yeah. And uh, Paul End was Paul End. Yes, he's, <laughs> Paul. He's the center square in every uh, yeah in every role, right? <laughs> Any thoughts on that one, uh, there, Dave? Uh, guys, I haven't seen those movies in such a long time. I I, I was the same way. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defer to you guys. You 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 guys sound like you know a lot about these, and so I uh, I'm going to defer to you. Well, the next one was uh, in '65. Ski party. This time they move from the beach to the, to the slopes. ski slopes. Yes. <laughs> the best part is James Brown and the famous Flames perform in the ski lodge. Really? That's- yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Uh, I got you. Uh oh. Cool. Wow. That, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's, that's every white person says. I feel good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like the Buffalo Springfield song. Stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going on. What's the name of that song? 
for what it's for what, worth. Yes. Nobody knows the name of the oh, song, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's and it's like that with I got you, I feel good. It's it's I got you. It's not fucking I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not TJ. Oh, and it's Bobby. Right, Bobby Yaga. Bobby O'Reilly. Bob O'Reilly. <laughs> Bobby Yaga's Emerson Lake and Palmer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah. <laughs> I always get oh, that confused. I have no idea what we're talking about. Now. <laughs> but uh, uh, also in that movie were Yvonne Craig mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Leslie Gore. Oh really, Leslie Gore? Leslie Gore was in that. Wow. Uh, the follow-up. Did she sing in that? I don't know. Mm. I don't have that in my notes. Okay. Uh, but the follow-up was the last of the official beach party movies, uh, and the third one released in 1965. Oh. Third fucking movie released in 1965. Wow. It's so a, this is quality industry. shit. Yeah. <laughs> They just filmed them all at the same time. Well, it's time. like a, like James Bond. They released a James <laughs> yeah, Bond every I, single year, I, right? That's I true. Mean, yeah. Uh, well, this is the third one in one year. <laughs> right, it's a little different. <laughs> uh, it was uh, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. It has Frankie being jealous <laughs> and asking a witch doctor being played by Buster Keaton. And uh, they, he sends a woman to lure Ricky away from Annette. Ricky was another character that was wooing Annette. So he sends a woman to lure him away from Annette just in case she has the hots for him. Mm. He's, you know, making that, sure. Just that making name, sure. That's one of the most interesting names of a movie is hey, yeah, Stuff a Wild yeah. Movie. Wasn't there a movie called The Ghost in the Invisible Bikini? And I believe there was. And that had, that. it's not in the official seven, but okay. that actually had Boris Karloff in it and Basil Rathbone. Okay. Okay. I thought there was one that had Vincent Price in it. Oh, uh, that was Dr. Goldfoot. And the bikini machine. Yeah. Holy, I, I, I'm not even uh, looking at my eye pulling their chest. I know, that's ass. pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. I got all excited and I forgot where I am. So, yeah, we were uh, talking about uh, Ghost. Uh, let's see. We had Ghost and the Invisible Bikini, which we started to talk about. Then we have uh, Dr. Goldfoot, Dr. Goldfoot in the bikini machine and a sequel. Dr. Goldfoot and the Girl Bombs, which features Vincent Price in the title role. And it, obviously, it's it's a Bond mm-hmm. takeoff. A uh, Bond spoof. But it, right. it, 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 it covers uh, more ground because it's not only a Bond takeoff, but it gets the bikini mm-hmm. stuff in there. Um, Ghost in the Invisible Bikini, which featured Boris Karloff. Basil Rathbone and Nancy Sinatra, hmm. <laughs> and uh, along with Dino's daughter Claudia Martin. Hmm. Okay. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Von Zipper showed up in this one as well. <laughs> then we have the Fireball Five Hundred, where stock car racers uh, are forced to run moonshine. Oh. And finally, we have Thunder Alley. 
Thunder Alley, where a uh, stock car racer is forced to join a thrill circus. So we, made an, <laughs> so we made an interesting shift into stock cars here. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, it's already getting later in the 60s, and things are getting more dangerous. <laughs> We're ranking on a net. <laughs> now, uh... Uh, before we leave the 60s, I want to talk about Lord Love a Duck. Oh, God, yes. Now, now, have you ever seen this movie, Dave? Which one? Lord Love a Duck. No, I have not. Sorry. You know what? I had not seen this. And when I was looking up teen movies of the 60s, it kept, it, it kept showing up in every list I was looking at. This is one of the most... It's trippy. It is a weird... It's a dark comedy. Yeah, it's uh, real... It's extremely dark. I mean, extremely dark. Yeah. Um, Roddy McDowell. Roddy McDowell. the main guy, yeah. And Tuesday Weld. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. It's... They... Uh, they it's very they, campy to me. It felt it's campy. It's campy, but they... Darkly campy. They uh, basically sign a contract on the top of the school in Concrete. And Roddy McDowell, who I, I the, this whole thing is very Faustian to me. It's very well. The whole thing, it's satire. The whole thing is so. Satire. Oh, it's satire. Yeah. But I mean, doesn't that feel Faustian? A little bit, yeah. Because he's like, you sign this contract, I'll make whatever you want right. happen. Right, exactly. Like a I Faustian mean, bargain, right? Yeah. So uh, Tuesday Weld signs her name in the concrete, and the first thing she wants is. Twelve cashmere sets, right? Because she's got to get that. Yeah, she's got to get all twelve. She's got it. You have to have twelve cashmere sweaters to join the cashmere sweater club in high school. (laughs) Right. And this, this was a really disturbing. I thought that the the whole thing with her shopping for the sweaters was (laughs) fucked up. The whole movie is fucked up. Oh, but that that part to me is the most fucked up. She's shopping with her dad. Um, so, so chasing a dude in a wheelchair with a bulldozer wasn't fucked up. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that was at the end. <laughs> but we're going into this. And uh, she's with her dad, and and her dad is played by the same guy that uh, was uh, Grandpa Fred in Sixteen Candles. Oh, what was that guy's name? Oh, he's dead now. Uh, Oh, God, everybody we're talking about is dead. (laughs) Roddy McDowell's still alive, right? Uh, Well, (laughs) it was a a quick joke. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. So, he, uh, Roddy McDowell says, okay, you, you and your parents are split up, so you can guilt your father into getting you the, 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 the cashmere sweaters. And she goes, all 12? And he goes, no, 13. <laughs> he can get 13 out of this. And they go to a, 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 a shop... And she starts, she, she's like petting these sweaters, and she's getting like all like sexy and shit. Mm-hmm. And she starts. He goes, "You want me to try them on?" I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should try them on. And 
it gets really pervy. Yeah. Because what I mean, she's like, okay, this is, I don't know, cherry on top or whatever, you know, the name of the bubblegum yum. And mm-hmm. it gets like the third one. And like, they're like making these orgasmic faces. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, almost, it was, it's almost like, like Mel Brooks meets Mad, Mad, Mad World. I mean, the whole, it had the caper thing to it. It did. But it had that Mel Brooks satire. But also. the whole thing was, I, I, I thought that sequence was really dark and sort of. Yeah, the whole thing, it's, there's a dark it, element through the, yeah. Yeah. I, but I have to say, I, I know it got mixed critical reviews. It did. But I enjoyed it. I did, too. You know, I have to say, I don't know why. And I have to say, I, I thought Roddy McDowell's performance really good in it. But, yeah, I'm a I'm a fan, so I, yeah. I'll watch pretty much anything he's in. So, you know. Yeah, it, but what a what a one-off movie. There's nothing quite like... <laughs> there there is not, and I tell you what, I'm glad it came up in my list because... I probably never would have seen it. Right, right. It was because it got forgotten. Because the the producer was mystified that it didn't do better. He thought he had a hit. Yeah, and he did not. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, it was. But I like you know, like I said, I enjoyed it. So, bye bye birdie. Got to talk. You know what? I, I and I don't have any notes on Bye Bye Birdie because I I started to, I started to put it in and I, then I, I kept thinking, okay, is it a teen movie? Is it not? Very much takes place in well, takes place in Columbus or right outside of Columbus, right? Okay. Columbus, Ohio, in Sweet Sweet Apple, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we've got Anne Margaret, Paul Lynn, uh, Dickheads. It's got a huge pop culture impact. You want to think you want to talk about how this this movie has is still in production on the stage, high school, college, community theater. It's still going, you know. Uh Jesse, oh god, what's his name? Jesse Pearson. Jesse Pearson. Uh, Jesse Pearson was Conrad Birdie in the movie. Okay. Um What's weird? You don't need to go over the plot of the movie, right? It's 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 this right, singer because, comes. Uh, yeah, he's, he's coming to town, he and he is drafted by the army, right? Yeah. So there's an Elvis thing with that, right? Well, however, absolutely. However, it's inspired, oddly enough, by Conway Twitty. What? Conrad Birdie is a play. The name is a play on words. Conway, on Conway Twitty. Twitty. Yeah, I get it. So, well, I get that too, because Conway but... Twitty was a teen idol. However, when you watch the movie, it's obviously an Elvis spoof, right? He's got this gold suit, yeah, and boots, and he's making the girls faint and all all of that stuff, you know. And, and of course, the guys all hate him, and the girls yeah, all love right. him. And in my mind, I remember Conway having two hits: uh, "Blue Boy," "Only Make Believe," yeah, and then. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the rockabilly shit, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it, it was like uh, two, two of them. I, I never saw him right. as the teen idol thing, right? But I think it was probably just name only. 
Everything okay. else on the character was clearly an El- it's an Elvis thing. Oh God, yeah. You know, um, but what's weird is he makes his appearance late in the movie, right? When you say, I mean, it's two hour movie. Je- uh, Jesse Pearson, Conrad Birdie shows up maybe with thirty minutes left in the movie. It's all this, and I think that's deliberate. It's all this anticipation of here Conrad's coming, Conrad's coming, Conrad's coming, and Am Margaret swooning over him, and you know Paul Lind is is being the overbearing dad and of course that spawns the kids cads cads what's my kids today i mean but there's nothing more famous than but that's a great that's a great song that is a fucking great that's, song if if he's known for anything it's that musical yeah. well that that made that made paul lind huge yeah yeah so it had you know bob uh bobby rydell janet lee who you know the whole story about janet lee was really pissed off because the director's camera kept finding Anne Margaret. I could yeah. see that. Yeah. So, so Janet Lee I've was supposed to be the star. You know, she's starring opposite right. Dick, Dick, Dick Van Dyke, right. and she got she was getting pissed because this is supposed to be her starring role, not Anne Margaret. But when you think of Bye Bye Birdie as a, oh, I think of Anne Margaret movie. movie. It's exactly. Anne Margaret movie. Yes. Yeah. So. Any thoughts on this, Dave? Uh, <laughs> of course, that was an adaptation of, of a Broadway uh, musical. Mm-hmm. Um, Don is absolutely right that that has become a classic of, um, of, of especially high school and, and young you know, summer theater um, plays. I was never, I, I, I never liked the show particularly myself. Um, it's interesting. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that Dick Van Dyke's girlfriend in that movie was Cheetah Rivera, who was the original Anita in West Side Story on Broadway. Oh. So just, just to uh, you know, insert that. Um, I, I I never cared much for the show. I thought it was uh, a little silly, but uh, that's just me. Um, it did spawn uh, "Put on a Happy Face." Oh, that's very, right. Very famous right. song that yeah. came from from that movie. Yeah. No, I, 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 again, I can't, I can't deny its uh, cultural significance and uh, everything is Bond. But I'm with Dave. I, I never liked it. I, I, as a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I tried to watch it, and I mean, it's not my favorite movie, I but did. I think I probably enjoyed it more than than you guys did. You know what's if you got what's interesting is I don't know if you ever if you guys ever watched the Mad Men. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah a great show. There's an episode in Mad Men where they're they're trying to sell uh, uh, an advertiser uh, on the soft drink and this advertiser they they want a, an ad that looks exactly like that intro with Anne Margaret. Singing. I remember that episode. Oh. Yeah. And th- that's the highlight of the. That's the highlight of the movie, as far as I'm concerned, is the way, because they were talking about how Anne Margaret, and they brought in a girl that looks a lot like Anne Margaret, and they, and, they, and they filmed the commercial frame for frame, just like that scene, and the advertiser turned it down. He said, no, guys, it's just not making it. Yeah. And when they left the room, one of the guys in the agency said, no, she wasn't Anne Margaret. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Right. That was a highlight right yeah, there. Yeah, I remember that episode of Mad Men. I mean, that was, yeah. you know, and of course it was timely because it was about that time Mad Men was, Absolutely. yeah. 
yeah. when that movie was out. So, um, but yeah, just you know, it doesn't. It kind of it kind of goes to. It doesn't necessarily have to be a work of art to make a cultural impact. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's yeah. that's a yeah, great yeah. example of this. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, if I were if it on a scale of one to five stars, I'd probably give it three and a half. You know? And you guys would probably rate it lower. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I, no, and I'm 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 not uh I'm absolutely not admonishing you for, for No 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 I didn't take it that way. But yeah, uh, it's uh I, I just I actually wanted to get into it because mm. I knew of the cultural significance of it. Right. And I just so you're let down. I yeah, I think you were let down by its reputation, right? Probably. Yeah, probably. You're expecting more because it's hyped up. Yeah, and and then yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, and the and the sequences I'm doing, the whole, I don't know, nothing just matched for me. Mm-hmm. The, uh, well, I think a good musical requires good songs, and again, in my opinion, I know that. Put on a happy face became kind of a, a, a classic, but yes. in my opinion, the the songs in that show don't really aren't special. They really see never... that's I, I absolutely agree because and that was one of the things is uh, one of my, my one of the, the the scenes that keeps coming back to me is uh, Anne Margaret just going bye bye Bernie and I'm like but this is not good and I love Anne Margaret. But the song wasn't good. No. To me, Anne Margaret had a really difficult time not sounding Swedish in that. I mean, there was a lot, of, a lot of effort going on, to, and it was mixed results. Um, but yeah, especially when she was singing, it seemed like it came out more when she was singing. You know, but, bye bye Birdie, bye yeah. bye Birdie. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we we could talk about Anne Margaret in carnal knowledge, but that's a whole other topic. Yeah. So or Viva yeah. Las Vegas, you know. Yeah. Hoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got Brian. Uh well, I, I think we need to look just a little bit. I mean, teen horror in the uh, '60s was terrible. <laughs> you had the horror of Beach Party. Uh, this one alludes to the dangers of polluting uh, uh, with uh, toxic waste being dumped into the ocean. Uh, the toxic waste mixes with a human skeleton laying on the ocean floor oh. and creates a humanoid monster because science. So, That's a toxic, toxic adventure? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So it attacks uh, teenagers on the beach, uh, you know. And then you have <laughs> that old shit. Yeah. <laughs> then you have sixty fives, uh, the Beach Girls, and the Monster. So we haven't completely de- devolved or evolved from the Beach movie. At this no, point. no, we're staying. <laughs> we're staying with the Beach, but we're staying with the fifties right. toxic shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you have sixty five uh, Beach Girls and the Monster, where another monster comes on out of the ocean and starts killing teens on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, 67 gave us Night Fright, where a NASA experiment goes wrong, and animals that are sent into a rocket into orbit, uh, to, to orbit the moon, come back, and they've changed. 
Yeah, like the Revenge of Laika, the yeah. dog. <laughs> Are any of these monsters guys in gorilla suits? <laughs> they very well could be. Uh, 65 gave us the sting of death, where a group of college girls uh, travel to Florida to make fun of a doctor's... And they make fun of a doctor's assistant, Egon. Egon creates a giant jellyfish mutant to kill the teens. There you go. Would it just be easier to kill them? Uh, you would. <laughs> you gotta get creative, I guess, I mean, back then. So, would that how, be the influence for Egon you know, from... How scary can a jellyfish be? From it has no... Yeah. yeah. A jellyfish <laughs> has no skeletal structure. True. So, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Do, it's like he's thinking, I know do, what I can do. Do your worst, jellyfish, <laughs> yeah. bitch. Yeah. Don't uh, taunt... Ju- just d- FYI... Don't taunt jellyfish. <laughs> they, they can kill you dead. 65 also gave us the Monsters Crash the Pajama Party. It's so scary, we dare you to see The Monsters Crash the Pajama Party. The first movie ever filmed in Hollywood's latest miracle, Fantastic Horror Vision. You'll be petrified as fiendish movie monsters actually become alive then crash right out of the screen, run into the audience, and carry screaming girls from their seats right back into the picture to become part of the movie, never to be seen alive again. They might choose you. We warn you, this is not 3D. The movie monsters actually become real flesh and blood. See what happens when the pajama party girls meet the mad doctor's girl-crazed monsters. 1,001 exciting scenes on screen and right in the audience alive. All in the world's weirdest movie, The Monsters Crash the Pajama Party in Horror Vision and Color. Well, there you go. <laughs> that sounds like it might have a sexual element This to one, it. actually, this one was sort of a holdover from the Spook Show Day. Uh, Spook Show Day. Spook Show Day. Show Days. <laughs> Words are hard. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this would be mixed in with a whole bunch of... that was like uh, four hours of entertainment. This one was part of it. Um, it's basically a horror comedy. The Mad Doctor is is referred to as Mad Doctor the whole time of the movie. And it asks, it's embroidered on his lab coat. <laughs> what, the Mad Doctor? <laughs> yes. It just says Mad Doctor on his lab coat. Uh and at one part, uh, since it was a spook show, uh, actors from the movie would actually run into the audience. Mm-hmm. Be that like, was part of that shtick, right? Was, that, they would that, involve yeah, the audience. Was, yeah, that was the whole spook show thing. Yeah. Then we have Monsters of Go Go, which uh, this started off as an un- unfinished movie titled uh, Terror at Half Day, mm. uh, and director Herschel Gordon. Lewis brought uh, the film, bought the film, changed scenes, uh, changed some dialogue, and then it was an astronaut that crash landed and came back as a radioactive uh, monster. And oh yeah, tanks. that was that became a thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, with the radioactivity changes uh, you into. Well, and it, it added in the uh, the the crashed mm-hmm. astronauts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That one got a 1.7 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, I, I believe it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a rating that low. Yeah, that is really, really low. 
Uh, and finally for me, uh, on the uh, teen uh, horror, I have <laughs> the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. <laughs> mixed up zombies. <laughs> this is a real movie. Wow. This one, it's, it's an evil gypsy fortune teller at an amusement park arcade who hypnotizes and deforms men with acid, then turns t- uh, turns them into monster slaves. Oh, acid does We're that to a guy. Never here. explained why she does this. Yeah, she just does it. It's a hobby. <laughs> I've not seen on a uh, I'll get on a material safety data sheet where acid <laughs> turns <laughs> turns you into a slave. But this <laughs> is billed as the first monster musical. <laughs> Although, oh my the, god, the musical numbers are that happen during uh, nightclub scenes and have nothing to do with the fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're just so it's like saying, uh, uh, oh, "Okay, I had a movie and my radio was on in my car." That's my first. That's the first musical. <laughs> this is doing this. <laughs> I will say it had a budget of $38,000. Oh, wow. Holy shit. How? $38,000. I mean, that's equal to like like a car. $7.8 million now. <laughs> I think that's a low budget for any <laughs> era. Be. For any era. Yeah. $38,000. $38,000. Good. Before we head into the uh, 60s or the 70s. We're already in the 60s. Yeah. I want to look at uh, TV. Because we, uh, this was the first decade where TV producers started noticing that mm-hmm. TV, uh, the teen, uh, teen audiences, they need to be looked at. So you had shows like the Patty Duke Show pop up, mm-hmm. Gidget, and they were twins mm-hmm. or cousins, identical cousins, because what that shit happens. <laughs> well, their their fathers were twins, correct, Dave? Um, you know, I don't remember. I were they really? Their fathers were twins. Their fathers, their fathers were twins, and that's why the cousins looked identical. <laughs> it's well, that makes sense. It's science. <laughs> Is it though? You mean the theme song didn't point that out? They, they didn't. They, they just did, said they're cousins. They didn't have one of, those, uh, one of those consultants that they didn't really have, right? <laughs> okay. That's insane. I, figured, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that their fathers were twins. I didn't know that. So now one of the other uh, uh, teen uh, TV series that I think we should look at is The Many Loves of Dobie Killis. Dobie Killis, yeah. Uh, it started... Uh, uh, Technically, it started in '59. Mm-hmm. Uh, went through maybe '63. It was four seasons. Four se- four seasons. Okay. Yep. So yeah. go, th- so, go through the premise of that. That for everybody. so uh, you had Dwayne Hickman, which Dwayne Hickman was in all of the beach movies. Well, maybe not all of them, but a shit ton of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Yeah, a few of them. Yeah. And uh, you had uh, and the breakout star was Bob Denver. Yes. That's right. <laughs> As Maynard 
G-Krabs. <laughs> G-Krabs, but uh, what was his middle name, actually? Uh, Maynard was... G-Krabs, right? It was, but Maynard was G-Krabs, yeah. but I want to think his middle name was like... Let me see if I have it here. Uh, I don't... I, 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 I think like his middle name was like Willard, but he said the G was silent. <laughs> <laughs> it was something along those lines. Uh, but uh, Denver stole the show. Yeah. As the you know the beatnik friend. Um. But uh, it, it, as a team show, man. I mean. It clicked everything. I, I, I think it did everything right as far as teen shows go. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, like like movie-wise, how did that influence the TV? I mean, how, like... Well, I, I to me, I, I just think um, that the... Well, well, the advertisers and the producers had realized that the teen audience was now something that they need to look at, mm-hmm. not just on uh, B-movie flicks, but get them on the television, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can get you a whole a lot more audience. advertisers. Right. Uh, you know, you can advertise your uh, hairspray and everything else mm-hmm. to a teen audience. Right. You can get right there. I mean, I, I, I understand it's it's mostly commerce. Uh, well, that's absolutely. going to go from make you know, turn that into, you know, and it's not, it's not the first time it's happened. I no. Mean, generally, you know, we've had a lot of instances of, of, of movie genre becoming a TV genre. So I was, yeah, I, I'm always curious as to like what flips that switch, you know, like oh, who says, oh, I know what we can do. Yeah. You know? uh, oh, it's a dollar. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, in the fifties, this wouldn't happen. In the 60s, the teen audience had grown so large that they mm-hmm. couldn't ignore you keep, it. Right. You could not ignore that. These are the, uh, now our baby boomers. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so. so that brings me to uh, some of the other TV shows that happened, the music shows. Dave, Shindig. Yeah, Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. Uh, now, uh, Shindig... It featured Terry Gar as one of the uh, dancers, hmm. and it featured Lorraine uh, Yarnell, who became more famous as part of Shields and Yarnell. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Uh, the assist uh, the assistant choreographer was Tony Basil again. <laughs> she yep. showed up in all that shit. The yep. the uh, the show had a house band creatively named the Shindig Band. But they had, uh, in the Shindig Band, they had Jane Purton on guitar. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. James fucking Burton, Delaney Bramlett, <laughs> later of Delaney and bon- Bonnie uh, and bon- Yeah. Uh, Leon Russell oh, on okay. keyboards. He left and Billy Preston took his place. They should have just, <laughs> they just, just started with shit. Billy Preston. <laughs> Um, they had some comedy, they had some dancing, uh, of course it was a musical accent, the teens turned, tuned in for her, uh, the series was also taped a, an appearance by Brian Epstein, uh-huh, 
who would introduce uh, British acts that like included the Beatles, the, Beatles <laughs> yeah. uh, the Rolling Stones, and the Who. Someone else who met an untimely demise, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. He died early. He yeah. died in 67. Yeah. From a barbiturate overdose. Yeah. Uh, th- then, you know, all the other stations started jumping on the air, uh, jumping on the bandwagon because Shindig was huge. So uh, NBC jumped on with Hullabaloo. Mm hmm. And they would have a different uh, host every every week. You would have, like, uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh-huh. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. And when and they would, would, when they hosted it, did they, like, they were like, not like a get, like, they ran the whole. Well, they would, they would uh, basically do an introduction. They might do uh, a musical thing with one of the guests. Okay. Uh it there was, was a takeoff. There was a takeoff on that. If you guys saw once, once upon a time in L.A. Oh God, uh, damn, yeah. There was a takeoff on that where uh, DiCaprio, as his character, did a. And he's on Hullabaloo, right? Uh, yeah, he's really. On yes. Yeah. yeah. They and they the that the way and that looked. He was singing behind the green door. It was seamless. It looked. It, it looked spot fucking on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. Uh, then you had Shivery. Do you remember Shivery? That that was a syndicated show out of L.A. Uh, but I mean, all these different shows started jumping on uh, on board to be part of it. Like King Biscuit Flower Hour was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, it was a British show called Ready Steady Go. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I have, I used to have a copy of that uh, of the Beatles on that. And yep. they did shout, really, which was kind of cool. Yeah, real. I'd love to see. I'd love to see that. Yeah, never heard. It was pretty cool, and because each member did a different part. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would like to see that. Learning itself to know. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty yeah. cool. It was pretty cool. Real quick, uh, it yeah. said the Shindig band was actually called the Shing Dogs. That didn't, <laughs> but that didn't take off. They, really, they wound up. Just staying as the Shindog, uh, Shindig band. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because everything was, I'm seeing was, is they're known as the Shindogs. Yeah, I like the uh, Shindogs yeah. better. Uh, I do too. <laughs> I do too. Uh, they they tried to give them a couple different names, but it didn't take, and they just kept calling them the Shindog. Oh, band. and the middle name was Walter. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. The G was, was silent. The G. G was silent. It was pronounced Walter. Yes. <laughs> Very, very good, Scott. I love this. I absolutely love this. Yeah. He is absolutely like the correction. Like he's it. giving you the corrections on. Yep. Like pardon the interruption. You know, it's great. Scott quivers. <laughs> Only when you speak that way. <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I think we're going to stop right here before we get into the 70s. Swinging super duper 70s. Yeah. With the psychedelic shit. Right. And paneled walls. And shag carpeting. Right. And then later the disco. (laughs) Yes. Now, uh, Dave, would you be interested in joining us on part two? And talk about the teen movies from the 70s and 80s. I would. 
that one might be a lot longer because of the movies in the 80s. Yeah. The teen movies in the 80s, uh, uh, to me, it's a renaissance. Oh, yeah, that's a whole day. That's a, that's a, yeah, that's hours by itself. Just exploded, yeah. 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 So stay on the line. Stay on the line for a moment. I'm going to take us out, all right? Okay. Thank everybody for hanging out with us tonight. We hope everybody had a good time listening to about teen movies from the 50s and 60s. And we have a, a part two coming up in a couple weeks. We're going to be talking about 70s and 80s teen movies. I can't wait to get into this one. It's going to be fun. Dave's going to be back. We've yep. already confirmed this. Yes. I'll be here. Hope you can join us, everybody. We will see you soon.